Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Love Doctor podcast, research-informed advice that can lubricate any conversation about sex. My name is Dr. Leah Tidy, and I'm glad to have you here. Today on the show, I'm answering your questions about oral sex and how to navigate differing religious views on sexuality and how bi-wife energy it might make you even sexier. I also share my interview with YouTuber Joe Lee. Joe and I talk about bisexuality, sharing your life online, and what it's like to be bi guys in the gay community. But first, today in sex. Bring out the rainbow flags, cause it is Pride Month. It's time to celebrate the history of Pride, to remember Marsha P. Johnson, a black transgender woman and LGBTQ advocate who started the Stonewall Riots, and the work of so many LGBTQ folks who have fought for equity and rights. It's also the time to buy all of the Pride merch that you could ever want. I'm kidding, but it seems like every brand and company is coming out with their own special queer-friendly products. From Lego coming out with its Everyone is Awesome set to Pella's compostable cell phone cases like Pride Edition, one says, sounds gay, I'm in. And even Bud Light. June is a month where you can buy just about anything in Rainbow, and companies are dying to tap into the growing LGBTQ market. But honestly, where are these companies for the rest of the year? Where is their pride in promoting LGBTQ rights outside of the month of June? While it's amazing to watch larger and larger corporations get on board, and politicians as well for that matter, it does make me wary. There's an excellent Vox article from 2018 that outlines the issue with many large companies supposedly supporting LGBTQ rights. Like, how much money is raised from buying merch? Where is it manufactured? And where is that money going? But also, the queer community is not one single thing or group of people. I mean, I obviously don't speak for all bisexual folks. And even if I said I was a spokesperson for cisgender, white settler, bisexual, university-educated women living in Canada's Pacific Northwest, well, there would still be a lot of diversity within that group. What worries me is condensing this huge group of folks with so many intersectional identities and diverse needs, desires, and challenges into one rainbow-clad family. Yes, coming together and showing love and support is wonderful, and it can help a lot of folks feel seen and valid in who they are and who they love. But recognizing that racism, colonialism, classism, and ableism, these still exist in the LGBTQ community, well, that's also important if we want to actually promote equity. Joe and I get into this in our interview, and if you haven't already, I highly recommend checking out one of his latest YouTube videos about being a bi couple in the gay community. Joe talks about racism, fetishization, bi erasure, and so much more. But before we get to my interview with Joe, let's get to your calls. This is from somebody on Instagram who sent me this message. I have a burning question. I thought if someone had an answer, it would be you. I've recently started dating Arab men, specifically Muslim. Why don't they like oral sex, giving or receiving? They don't like talking about sex. Do you know anything about this topic? I'm unsure how to handle it. So I'm going to underpin my response right now by saying that I am not Muslim, and therefore I'm providing a response based on the research that I did in trying to answer this question and not from any lived experience. 
I have left links to the resources I use to craft my answer in the episode description. And listeners, if you are Muslim or have a better understanding of this topic, I want to hear from you. I also want to take a moment to acknowledge the Islamophobic and racist attack in London, Ontario last week that took the lives of four Muslim Pakistani Canadians who were just out for a walk. I think many white Canadians assume that racism isn't as bad here or don't think that it's that big of an issue. It is. And this latest attack is proof that we need to do more to address hate and racism in this country. And why in particular I want to talk about it on this platform is that online hate and Islamophobia, they may have been a factor contributing to this hate crime. What we say and do online has real world impacts. So creating spaces where we talk openly to each other with empathy and respect is so important. I've linked a CBC News article about the attack in the episode description, and later in this episode, Joe and I talk about hate speech and comments that are made online. Now, caller, you asked me for some insight, and I'm going to do the best that I can. And oh my goodness, did I go down a research rabbit hole for this one. Also, I'm going to use gendered language here because all of the resources I found talked explicitly about men and women, so just to keep this in mind. So oral sex, or putting mouths on a partner's genitals, is something that faces a lot of stigma both in and out of religious communities. Part of this has to do with how like proper sex is positioned as like penetrative penis and vagina sex between a married man and a married woman in order to have a baby. We can think of this as a sexual pyramid, one that is definitely rooted in heteronormativity, patriarchy, and colonialism, just to remind you. But essentially, this socially sanctioned type of sex is at the top of the pyramid. And moving down the pyramid is other types of sex people engage in and what their relationship status is. Oral sex is positioned as an extra or almost non-normative type of sexual activity. But if you're heterosexual and married, it's a bit more acceptable. Heaven forbid if it was in the context of an extramarital sexual encounter. So within Islam, there are lots of differing opinions on acceptable types of sexual expression and those that are forbidden or haram. Islam in many regards promotes sexual pleasure as an important part of marriage between a man and a woman. And in this context, if oral sex promotes pleasure between a husband and a wife, then yeah, it's acceptable. Some religious leaders and scholars believe this and others think oral sex of any kind is not permitted and that even seeing your spouse's genitals is forbidden. There's also some folks who believe that oral sex is fine as long as bodily fluids are not exchanged or expelled from the body. Yes, saliva is definitely exchanged in this, but as a sexual health educator, we're not as worried about saliva when it comes to sexual health because that's not a major way that STIs are spread. But if semen, ejaculation, vaginal fluids, anal fluids, etc. are ingested, then that could be considered forbidden. So I think it really comes down to individual beliefs, and this is interesting for folks from different religions and cultural backgrounds who start dating or start having sex with each other. Sexual shame is deeply entrenched in so many religions, but Islam is one of the few that celebrates sexual pleasure within certain contexts. It really comes down to communicating with whoever we are having sex with about what they are comfortable with and what we are comfortable with. Talking about the kind of sex we want to try and figuring out what is on or off the table can make sure that we're all on the same page and that boundaries aren't crossed when we start to have sex. I highly recommend using Scarletine's yes, no, maybe so checklist, which can help folks talk about the kind of activities they're definitely into, some of them they are definitely off limits, and some that we might be curious about exploring. 
and talking about the things that you want to do together is insanely hot and can establish some clear communication that will definitely lead to better sex for everyone involved. And now let's take another call. Okay, so idea for a podcast episode is like, I know I sent you that TikTok once, but like by wife energy. And I think that one of the times that Levi was on the podcast, you guys talked about it, but I feel like it would be really cool to do like a panel discussion on by wife energy. So to get like, I don't know, like three or four men who have by wives and like, yeah, just like talk about that. And honestly, one of the things that I want to know is I, I wonder if knowing that they're wives are queer allows them to like embrace more of the parts of themselves that are like discouraged under like heteropatriarchy you know like i'm curious anyways by wife energy panel please <laughs> thank you so much for your suggestion percy and for those who don't know percy and their now fiance clary were actually both guests on the podcast in season one I have linked down to the episodes with them because I highly recommend checking them out and hearing about the amazing work that both of them are doing. But to get back to this, yes, absolutely yes to a bi-wife energy panel. Listeners, are you men married to bi-women? If so, send me a message on Instagram at dr.leatidy or to the podcast email at thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com. I think I'm along the same lines of Percy here in wondering whether being married to a bi woman, does that create spaces to live more authentically so we can address masculinity stereotypes and just maybe have more open conversations about sexuality and sexual expression more generally? I'm really excited to get this panel together. I'll probably need about two or three folks and you know that I'm going to bring on Levi as well. So let me know if you either have questions for our panel or if you know someone who would be a great fit, send me a message. I would love to hear from you. And now, I'm honestly like just a little bit starstruck to be sharing this interview with Joe Lee. Joe and Levi have been YouTube buddies for about two years now, and I was so stoked to have Joe on the podcast. Joe's latest vlog comes out today, so if you want to check that out and see a little snippet of our interview on camera, the link is in the episode description. So here is my interview with Joe Lee. Hi, Joe. How are you doing today? Good. Yourself? I'm good. Yeah. No, super good. Excited that uh, that we're going to talk. I, it was so funny right before we started recording, talking mm -hmm. about how do you introduce you? And I did the same thing for the podcast. I'm like, what do I write about Joe? Honestly, I wrote that like I'm a, like, a little starstruck because you and Levi have been like, <laughs> YouTube buddies for a while, but I'm like, oh, yeah. I get to talk to Joe. Anyway, I'm I'm like super cool, super chill. So all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me just a bit about yourself and like why you started your YouTube channel about being less shitty? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Joe. I'm a content creator based in Vancouver, but my background is actually in kinesiology, which is like a fancy word for exercise science. So I used to work as a trainer in the fitness industry and throughout working with my clients, you know, obviously exercise was a big part of it, but a lot of it was little extra stuff like talking about their recovery, but also a lot of them will talk about their family life and their finances and their work life and their like scheduling. So that's when I like really realized how holistic wellness is. It's not just about one aspect, but you know all of these other aspects together. So 
that's where the whole be less shitty came from. Um, it's not just being perfect at one of these aspects, whether it's minimalism, sustainability, going plant-based, instead of trying to focus on being less or perfect at something, just focus on being less shitty at it. And that the, the lingo is more so my vocabulary because my videos are very casual, laid back. So, you know, just be less shitty. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny that actually is such a good motto that I want to like bring into sexual health because I think mm -hmm. there's so many people who, you know, when they're trying to figure out like who they are, like their sexual orientation, but also like when they're trying to be sexual with someone for the first time, they're like, okay, I need to be like perfect or maybe I watched mm -hmm. porn and let me try and recreate that. And you're like, okay, what if we just focus not on being perfect, but just be less shitty, like maybe ask your partner. What do you like? How do you want that done? So I'm 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 gonna take this mantra forward. And when I go yeah. like talk to like grade sevens, I'll be like, um, I'm friends with Joe Lee, and he says to be less <laughs> shitty. I'm allowed to say that because like that's his catchphrase. So yeah, I'm totally gonna steal that. As long as there's a separation between not talking about like the bowel movement, because uh, yeah. a couple <laughs> people have uh, mentioned that, but you know more so in the yeah metaphorical aspect. Metaphorical. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, actually, I can see how that could, oh, that could get like messy and pandemonium would ensue. With the exactly, exactly. Yeah, we won't go there. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really, I wanted to ask you about, you know, like you, you have this aim of, of the channel and, and you've said before that the aim of it was, you know, you're very like casual and conversational and kind of meeting people where they're at, but it wasn't about specifically like your relationship and really like personal life. So how has that been navigating that, right? From from being a, a YouTuber wife on my end, like it's always mm -hmm. interesting, like how much do you share of your own life online? So wh what has that journey been like for you? Yeah, I mean, my, I guess, personal sexuality isn't something I necessarily shared at all on my channel. I just felt like it was in the beginning very separate and it had nothing to do with my mantra. But obviously with my current partner and because my vlogs are essentially my life, you know, just put in chronological order, it was kind of difficult to not share that aspect of it and just kind of keep that hidden. And to a, an extent, I felt that, you know, I was being dishonest if I was like keeping that aspect totally separate. But I was very clear to my audience that I didn't want to turn into another couple channel. I feel that couple channels, you know, they're great. And a lot of other people definitely get a lot of enjoyment out of them. And they see themselves in their relationship. At the same time, it puts a lot of strain if the sole basis of your content is based on your relationship, because no relationship is perfect. So I made it pretty clear that this was not going to be a couple channel. But at the same time, understanding that our relationship is something that isn't you know, normative. And it's important that we talk about it, especially because I do have a platform. Um, so I'm definitely sharing more and more and just getting more into that social aspect of being less shitty because yeah, the, the entire saying is be less shitty to others, the planet and yourself. And I think that aspect also plays into it, but it's definitely, yeah, there's a fine line between oversharing your relationship, showing a lot on camera but I tend to be a little bit more on the careful side of, you know, I don't want to overshare too much. Yeah, definitely. And I respect that as well, because there's some, you know, sanctity around your relationship. And it's so mm -hmm. hard when you do, you know, vlog style videos and trying to share your life with people, trying to have some sort of 
separation and saying, oh, this is actually a private moment for us. And I don't want to feel like, oh no, should I have brought the camera out? Should I have documented this moment? And I, yeah, I, I really respect trying to have that separation. But as you said, that struggle when you have a platform and have an audience who clearly cares about you, but you kind of open yourself up to people's unsolicited opinions, which we were going to get to later on. Oh yeah. Right. But for sure. I, I guess I want to talk about first, like, let's go back to the beginning. If you feel comfortable sharing that yeah. with me, like, when did you figure out that you were bi? For myself, I didn't necessarily know that I was bi initially. Growing up, my family is very uh, Korean, kind of typical Christian household. So I obviously knew what being, you know, attracted to the opposite sex was, not necessarily in the most positive light. Um, so I knew that what it necessarily was just didn't really kind of, I guess, understand that there were other aspects to it, that it's not like one or the other, that you can have both or all. So initially, yeah, it was just a difficult relationship, kind of understanding what my sexuality is, because not only there is that Christian side, um, but in the more Eastern cultures, sexual education isn't something really openly discussed. And me and my parents never even had that conversation. So talking about sexuality was even more taboo than just even talking about heterosex, let alone gay sex. So it was just something that we never discussed. It was just something that was just seen as so out of the blue that they didn't even, um, you know, have that even in their radar. And I guess being also raised in Alberta, which the listeners don't know, it's literally like the Texas of Canada, uh, a lot of conservative population out there. It definitely shaped how I grew up. So it was a very complicated relationship. And it wasn't really necessarily until I got into, I want to say high school or university that I really found that, oh, I you know, obviously I knew that I had this other attraction, but that's when I really put the label to it as being bi was more so in university when I was just around other people and just really kind of found myself not necessarily through one like super significant experience, but more so just learning over time. Yeah. So there's a lot in there, right? Of just, Mm -hmm. you know, what are we raised to believe? And for not even um, able to have conversations about sexual health in our homes, which is so many of my listeners have had that experience. Mm-hmm. Like when they call in, they're like based on um, religious views or ethnicity or just where you grow up. Like uh, so many people have all of this like shame and stigma around sex, even when it comes to, as you said, like even like mm-hmm. heterosexual sex, much less talking about anything outside of that. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting too. Like if you aren't even able to have those conversations, then thinking about your sexuality in a more broad sense or along a spectrum that's like not even put on the table until you, mm-hmm. like you said, till you're around other people and you're like, wait, there's other ways of like exactly being in the world. Yeah. There's that like double aspect of being a minority group within a minority group. And I find that it's, I don't know what it is. I talked about it a little bit on my channel, but it's almost as if like the minority groups finally get a chance to kind of like oppress another minority group. So it's it's a very obviously a very complex issue to kind of tackle when it comes to the intersectionality between sexuality cultures and not to say that one culture is right or wrong but the fact that we can have an open conversation about it for me at least on my channel was very freeing for me and to even hear other perspectives whether it was good or bad 
you know, more comments, more engagement, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about it as well. Like, you know, even like growing up, if we are exposed to like queer relationships or gay relationships, like if we see that either, I mean, more so now in like media and more positive portrayals of it, quite often we see monogamous relationships or for folks who are bi, like you wouldn't actually see representation of someone who is bi because quite often if you're in a monogamous relationship, then there's the assumption like, oh, like you're gay or you're straight, you know? And I actually, actually had someone message me on, on Instagram saying, aren't you formerly bisexual? And like, now you're heterosexual because you're married to the yeah. guy. And like, it's one of those things where like, they asked it at the end of this, this like big tirade of basically telling me that I'm straight is what they did. And right. then at the end of it, they were like, honest question. I'm like, okay, that doesn't make up for what you just said but I'm going to try and like put on my sexual health educator cap and not my like angry Mm -hmm. bisexual woman cap. Um, But I wonder like, have people asked you like similar things about being like formerly bisexual because now that you're in a relationship with Ryan? Oh man, there's been so many comments, especially on TikTok because TikTok is definitely a younger demographic. So I, I just wonder if it is like a genuine naiveness. I saw a little thread of comments in another person's video where it was like, oh, Joe and Ryan are a a bi couple. And then people were commenting like, oh, that makes sense why they're not so lovey-dovey on camera. Or it's more like a temporary relationship because they're bi. There was another one where I was talking about how being bi, yes, to some people, it can be a stepping stone to coming out as gay, but to other people, it's, it's not. And a lot of people do think of it as a stepping stone. And there was a comment where they said, no one would choose to be gay if they had the other option of being hetero because it's easier that way. So I was like, wow, people, people think in, in, a, in, a, in just different ways. <laughs> so it was definitely, it, it's, it's interesting to get so much feedback because this is definitely like an our generation issue. Like how, how else are you going to get so much, so many people in your business but at the same time, you know, being open to actually discuss this issue, like you mentioned, not just like completely shut it down as like hate speech all the time. I think it's important to have this discussion. Yeah. But it's hard too. And it's clearly something that's so personal as well, because it's mm-hmm. if you're constantly being asked to be the one educating. Right. And I think we ask that and a lot of uh, folks in minority groups to be like, be the one to tell us about race, be the one to tell us about queer identities. And you're like, yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on people who are a just trying to live their lives. And just because of that doesn't mean that you're an activist or an advocate. You're just trying to, you know, live authentically as who you are. So I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. really hard as well. And I, I'm I'm really glad that you mentioned that, like, that stepping stone piece, because I think so many people and I've read so many comment sections of, of, you know, on either on like Levi's channel, when people found out that I was bisexual, but if I also look on other channels, like Hannah Witten, who's a really well-known sexual health educator, like so many people being like, oh my gosh, I read this or I watched this and I realized that I'm gay or I realized that I'm a lesbian. And they're like, I thought I was bi for so long and I was so wrong about that. And I just have such a hard time kind of containing myself because it's if you're so right for some people that is like it feels like an easier way to say that you're bisexual because it feels like less transgressive but then no wonder people don't believe folks when they say that they're bi because they're like you're in denial or maybe maybe you're just like want to be more edgy but you're actually straight and so how how do you navigate that because i guess like in the optics like 
I'm in a straight relationship. People who can't see me right now, I'm I'm doing bunny mm-hmm. ears around straight yeah. relationship, and you're in a gay relationship. So like, right. what does that? Ah, I don't even know if I'm getting at here, but like, what are your what are your thoughts on? I don't know. Like when I'm walking down the street, I almost want to like yell at people. I'm like holding hands with Levi. I'm like, by the way, I'm bi. Like I also like women. I just want you to yeah. know that. Like, what what has that experience been like for you? For, I guess, both of us in a personal setting, you know, for Ryan, a lot of people at work just kind of just completely ignored it, like wasn't, didn't take him seriously initially until he he was in a relationship with me and he needed, you know, they needed some sort of proof, I guess. And similar in a personal situation, uh, my situation, I didn't necessarily tell people because personally, I just wasn't ready to kind of deal with that type of criticism especially with my personal background. So I didn't tell people what my sexuality was, but until I was dating my current partner, I just said, hey, I'm dating this person. He's a guy, by the way. And honestly, because I was so casual with it, the response was also quite casual. And that's, I made a video where a little bit of a a clickbait title, I said coming out was overrated, but I was more so talking to the point where not every coming out story has to be this extravagant party with waterworks and, you know, cake or whatever. It can just be a very casual text. It can be a conversation. It could be a call. It can be a whatever. And I just wanted to more so emphasize that you can take your own time, especially coming out as bi. However, a lot of people did think by me saying you don't have to come out, they thought, I was closeted. I'm not promoting being closeted, but more so, you know, people come out in different ways. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I wonder if it, if like one day in the future, probably I can't imagine for a long time, maybe when we're in like our eighties or something, but if we yeah. were in like a post coming out world where just the assumption wasn't that like everyone is straight until proven otherwise. Right. right. So like, I just think it would be kind of an amazing thing where Either you're growing up, you're having those conversations with like parents or people who care about you and then like your friends and things like that. It was just that, you know, there wasn't any assumption. So there was no need to come out at all because it was like, oh, you either start dating someone or not or dating multiple people. And then that just kind of emerges like exactly. I would be so excited if that was the case and we didn't have to like have like we said, like, well, especially what we'll see in like media and in representations, it's usually like really intense and traumatic coming out stories and it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that way. Right. Definitely. Oh, I think you were talking about in your previous podcast about the the startup and the, that bi character and how, cause we actually just started watching it, but uh, how then she just randomly, you know, or not randomly, but just without any kind of like official coming out um, was just very casual with it. And that was kind of more so what I wanted to do as well is that I didn't necessarily see my sexuality as a personality trait. Like for my channel, I focus on different subject matter and, you know, I'm interested in exercise and minimalism and sustainability, productivity. But to me, you know, who I slept in bed with was I didn't think had to be a main priority of my channel. And I understand that, you know, some people associate with themselves more with different attributes of the queer community. And that's great. But for myself, it just really wasn't a big part of my life, probably because I was raised in a very conservative household. But yeah, I think just 
just showing other people that there are different ways of coming out and living in a queer community. Um, I think, you know, does everyone good? Not everyone has to be at the front of the parade. Not everyone has to be, you know, dancing on the parade. You can just be a spectator, just clapping along the sides. And that's, you know, equally as right. Absolutely. I think it's very apt, especially because it's Pride Month right now. And Mm -hmm. again, with COVID, like, what will that actually look like in terms of parades and celebrations and things? But I think Mm -hmm. it's trying to get at, like, what queer people can look like or be like in the world. And it's, and, you know, I think we have so many, like, stereotypes in our head. And kind of at the top of that is, like, cisgender, white, gay men. And we're like, oh, how fabulous like that. And not to disparage folks who absolutely that's who they are in their identity. But I think the LGBTQ plus community, and we could get into the whole, you know, alphabet soup of that. Like there's the whole point is that it's not one like monolith of identity. There's so much within that. And just being who you are, like authentically is like just as queer or just as bisexual as any other identity. Right. I think sometimes I get a not necessarily like feedback, but some thoughts about like, but you're so femme presenting. Like, are you actually queer? I'm like, yep, still queer. But there's just such an interesting balance of trying to. And I don't know if you've had this experience as well. If if you are bi, you feel like you need to like prove that you're a part of that community or like, you know, I I am constantly feeling like imposter syndrome anytime I'm in like a Mm -hmm. queer space, especially if I'm with Levi. I'm like, Right. Oh God, they just think there's another straight couple trying to hang out at like a gay restaurant or something. Right. Yeah. That's interesting because this week, uh, the topic of my blog vlog is around masculinity and just kind of how my perspective of that has evolved over time because I've been wearing makeup for like the past 10 years because I grew up with very cystic acne, but it wasn't more so the fact that I was very uh, self-conscious about the makeup itself, but more so how people would react to that and what people would say if they, you know, saw me with some like concealer that was breaking apart. So, and now I'm at a point where I'm, you know, doing like get readies with me and showing my outfits. Whereas you know, seven years ago when I first started my channel, that would have been the last thing I would have done. So it's interesting how, you know, this like perception of masculinity is so different depending on which community you're looking at from. But for myself, it was, it was definitely something that I personally needed to get more comfortable with. And even, you know, holding hands with my partner in public, because this is my first time dating the same gender, same with my partner. It was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of learning curve for, for both of us and just kind of how we present ourselves, because although we may have been very comfortable together in our private household, it was a different story. Once, you know, the pandemic ended, we were going out more and then we really saw how other people responded to us. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear your your side of dealing with masculinity as a bi woman and, you know, having to, you know, this stereotype of this like butch lesbian and how you are so far away from that. So that's super interesting to hear. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to see the vlog because I think there's so many mm-hmm. interesting conversations about masculinity that are coming up. And there's like the new book called Man Enough by, what's his name? He was in Jane the Virgin and he's okay. like, anyway, he's in, like an insanely beautiful man. So yeah. it just was so nice to have like a very like stereotypically like masculine man to talk about this book and how he learned about being man enough 
by having conversations with his wife about masculinity and femininity and things like that. And so I just think it's very apt. I mean, I think it's long overdue to have more open conversations about masculinity, but it's also scary being the, I, I can't imagine, like as a woman, it's very different talking about masculinity than as a man yourself, because there's a lot at stake, right? Like there's a lot mm -hmm. that people assign to masculinity and want you to behave in certain ways. And, you know, I really appreciated that in, in the video you made a few weeks ago about, you know, our experience of being a bi couple in the gay community. And like you, you, you talk, I mean, I don't know if it's explicitly masculinity, but it's clearly something that like comes up throughout it, but also talking about fetishization and racism and bi erasure. And so, I mean, those are huge topics. Like those are huge yeah. topics that could be their own vlogs, but I really, I love how you wove it together because they are, they all impact each other. So, you know, for you can, uh, I mean, again, a podcast, you can't unpack all of these huge things, but like, mm -hmm. you know, why did you want to address these topics like in, in that blog? Yeah, I guess just kind of going back to my overall channel mantra of how holistic overall wellness is. It's not just about that exercise portion that kind of similar in that mental health aspect I felt that it was an appropriate topic because you can't really just get talk about racism and talk about sexuality separately because for myself, it was so intertwined and it's not one or the other. If one was brought up, so was the other one. So more so, I'm, I guess initially, I just wasn't comfortable talking about these type of topics because A, my parents watch my videos. So if you look at some of the titles, they're worded in certain, because my parents' English, they're not, it's not very good. So I get away with uh, certain wordings, but I do get those, you know, early morning calls. If my mom sees a more risque thumbnail, you know, with my partner, she's the first one to call me to change it. So <laughs> now that she's becoming more and more um, not accepting, but more open to the idea, um, you know, it's, I do understand that it just is going to take time that is also allowing me to be more comfortable sharing what kind of what I've always wanted to share. Um, I think a lot of the topics around sexuality and, you know, race and gender is all part of being a less shitty person and just being open to talk about it, having a platform. So it was, I knew it was something, an aspect that I couldn't necessarily just gloss over, but I also didn't want to make that the sole purpose of my channel because it really is such a small aspect of my life, but, you know, I'm not going to negate how much it has affected my life. So I thought that was a good way to kind of tie everything together, show people how intertwined everything is and really show how complicated these topics are while providing my own personal experiences because I don't want to speak on other people's experiences and in the comment section they were talking about how well you know I'm a white gay male I'm also oppressed you know I never said that you were not oppressed I'm just saying that I also am so I just really wanted to make it clear also to my audience that this wasn't the oppression olympics it's not about who has the most you know oppression tallies it's just about sharing our individual voices so that we can, yeah, like I said, have a more collective and open discussion about these topics. Mm -hmm. That's what I really appreciate about it too, is that, mm -hmm. you know, you, you signpost that right at the beginning of being like, this is my personal experience and understanding. And I'm not saying this is a universal experience. Cause like, even on paper, if someone had 
same upbringing, if like, you know, same mm -hmm. like race and sexual orientation, like even if on paper it was exactly the same, obviously your lived experiences are going to be different. And so I just found that so interesting in the comment sections where so often I think people's knee jerk reaction is, mm -hmm. well, this is my experience and you didn't speak to that. And you're like, okay, how do I frame it yeah. even more to say this was my personal experience? And like, I just, you know, it's, I'm, I'm so glad that you framed it in that way, but I also recognize that it is hard to put yourself out in that way as well, because, because of the, uh, the amount of like comments and feedback. And I can only imagine the amount of like, I don't want to say like hate, but may maybe mm -hmm. of, of yeah. like, just, of just bullshit that was like, coming sure. away for just having a really honest conversation. And I just, I, it's so hard when you're like, okay, I want to be an advocate. I want to be a voice for change, but obviously that's not all of who I am. I'm a fully, mm -hmm. you know, complex human being, but I don't know, like how, how has that balance been of, of trying to like developing that thick skin of sharing your, your life online? It is a process. Like what, what has that been like? Definitely. I, I think that what's special about vlogs is that the content revolves around you as a person and I am building a brand around Joe Lee. It's not, you know, other creators, the content is based on a specific set idea. So whether the audience, the audience can hate your idea and that's that they just hate your idea. When an audience watches one of your vlogs and attacks your personal brand, that is a attack to your personal being. So that's something I definitely had to not necessarily grow a thicker skin to, but just understand that, yes, I'm speaking on my personal experience, so it's not going to resonate with everybody in the same way. And, you know, I've been on YouTube for almost seven years now. So it's definitely something I've just kind of um, accepted and just understood, you know, YouTube does a pretty decent job on moderating certain keywords. So I don't see like the very, very hateful speeches, but especially with the rise of the pandemic and the coronavirus, there was definitely an increase in hate speech regarding, you know, East Asians, but then you mix it in with the sexuality side of it. It definitely becomes very complex and very hateful, but at the same time, you just have to understand that, you know, people on the internet are just people in the, on the internet. You know, most of these people would not even look at you or even say anything to your face. But yeah, when you're creating personal content around your lifestyle, you just, I don't know, you just can't take things too personally. Yeah, you can't, even when it's, as you said, like your life and creation is the brand. But then also knowing, like, I feel so often that people feel like they know you or feel like they can be like, look, I just need to be honest with you. I thought this and this. You're like, yes, like I, I do, you know, you honestly portray a part of your life, but I think so many people feel like they have exactly. access to your entire life or all of your personality. And you're like, this is curated. Like, you know, 100%. that this is filmed all the time. So like, that's always so hard to, to draw that line. And like you said, to not to not take that personally, that's something that I absolutely struggle with. Hence why Levi yeah. leads a YouTube channel. And, and I'm like, yeah, I get to be like your quirky sidekick who like comes in yeah. and says, says fun things. And then I get to leave just because I, I don't feel like I can handle it. So I just, I don't know. I have, I have a lot of um, respect and appreciation for you for putting that out there, but in, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if like a gentle way is true, but like, not like an overt, like, I'm going to hit you over the head as like a social justice warrior. Cause I feel like 
that isn't a way to engage people in actually changing their behavior. Because if they care about you and they care about your life, then they're more likely to listen to your experience with some empathy and with some compassion and then maybe think about how they might change their perspective on the world. Exactly. Like my main goal with the tone of my videos is to not come off as a lecture at all. Like the second I catch myself doing, these are the 10 things that you need to do, cut myself there. And I just start over because I really want to show people that I also do these things. Hence, I use the vlog format. I'm able to show myself, you know, in that wellness aspect, that sustainability aspect without necessarily having to talk about it every single time. I can just use it as a transition clip or have a little snippet out there, but at least they get a truly holistic view of what the whole be less shitty lifestyle is like. And yeah, like you mentioned, I'm fitting a week's worth of life into a 15 minute video. There's no way I can include every aspect of it. So it's something that I always have to think about, especially I have a dog. So if I don't have enough dog walking clubs, people are going to be like, why didn't you walk Jasper? You know, after you came back from the groceries and it's like, like, dude, it's the next day. Like it, I guess people don't understand how condensed the vlogs are and how much of it is truly a highlight reel. Everything is very planned out the different shots I want to show because I don't want to be repetitive in my content. But yeah, I think it's a big wake up call to people that like even the vlogs that look very natural and very just day to day, just know that everything is planned with a purpose, just so I get the meaning across and I can show a wide variety of things. Yeah. Well, I think that people forget too that like, you know, you have a craft. That's a part of why not everyone is a vlogger because you're like, no, like there's some artistry that goes into like me thinking right. about not repeating the same shot and things like that. And like you said, I also think that people just really love to share their opinions. So like, I, sure. I I like love, but could also see how that would be so annoying. People being like, why didn't you walk Jasper? Where's, where's yeah. more shots of Jasper? Like, what the heck? Like, do you not love your dog? And you're like, okay, team, I need you to like, cool down a little bit. Exactly. Like, yeah, you don't realizing like what is being curated and what isn't. When it comes to showing different aspects of my relationships, there's a lot of queer couple content on YouTube that really pushes uh, a very hypersexual uh, narrative, which is great. Like, you know, obviously if straight people can show that, why can't gay people? But I think the misunderstanding is that they expect every queer couple to show every aspect like that. And for myself, I'm just trying to emphasize on almost every video that like, this is not a couple channel, like the channel name is Joe Lee, like it's me. So, you know, I show little aspects of it, but also I don't want to set up a camera and go cuddle with my partner and then go turn off the camera. Like it just feels so disingenuous to me. But at the same time, I understand the importance of, you know, having different content creators show that aspect so it doesn't seem like a, a foreign action to other people. So it's just a little balancing act, you know? There's different content creators that do different things and I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, and it, it, to me, it kind of, this is a whole other topic and I, I promise we'll wrap it up. But you made me think about something that I am fascinated yeah. about. It's just like how much, like in per particular, gay men are like hyper-sexualized, right? And so... Like in some ways, you know, with like Grindr and so many other different like dating apps and like how, you know, gay men's sexuality is kind of positioned as being like hypersexual, high sex drive, all of these different things, which again can be really harmful for folks if they, they feel like they're not normal, they're broken in some way, if that isn't their experience. 
just like you said, right. for for some folks, if you're trying to like show your relationship, you feel like you need to like fit this stereotype and instead trying to show you're like, actually gay relationships, just like all other relationships, just like by a, re- a relationship, they're going to look like all sorts of different things. So mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I really appreciate that. And like how there's always that awkward moment where like every now and then Levi and I will kiss in our videos and I'm like, are we going to kiss? Are you going to kiss me on the forehead? And I'm like, oh, like, do we cuddle right now? But like, what's yeah, the lighting like? It didn't look right. <laughs> yeah, my lips were weird. You do it again. Do it again. Right. So, it, so yeah, it's, it's such an interesting balance too of like clearly something that you're passionate about. But when people try and direct either your content or the work that you do or who you are into like one small niche and you're like, mm-hmm. actually, this is what I want to portray. So, Kudos to you for balancing all of these things, but still finding a way, like you said, to have such a, I don't, it feels like casual, but also feels very like intimate, like watching your vlogs. Mm-hmm. Cause like you and I have never actually met in person. That's changing yeah. in a few weeks. I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, but I, but there is definitely a sense of like kind of knowing essentially who you are, which is like uh, really great, but also really scary for people who want to offer you advice or like, you know, fill up your comment section with basically bullshit. Yeah. I think one of the most rewarding type of comments that I've gotten as I became more uh, comfortable sharing, you know, our relationship was the the comments that said, Hey, I really appreciate how casual and laid back you are with your approach to sexuality, because this is exactly the way that I want to do it. And a lot of people actually came out, you know, to their family and friends in this very casual way. And they were just surprised of how casual their response was. So, you know, I also just want to share to, you know, other people that, you know, a a gay relationship doesn't have to be this like super touchy, touchy, you know, on camera cuddling all the time. It can be in private and it is. However, you don't necessarily have to be that doesn't have to be the main source of your content and that doesn't have to be your main personality trait being gay being queer if you want it to be can be something you you know really exemplify but at the same time it can just be something that's private and something that you keep to yourself and your loved ones yeah yeah and trying not to shame people for whatever they decide and trying to basically like pathologize their response of being like you're clearly closeted or oh mm-hmm. you're you're clearly trying to set the the gay agenda or something right so yeah. it's so interesting trying to balance all of that for sure yeah so i want to ask uh is there anything else that like we've talked we've covered a lot of ground today to be fair yeah. but like any other thoughts that's come up from that about being bi about being a content creator like what does that what does that mean or look like? Or maybe a, a final thought you want to like leave listeners with, like either moving forward in their own journey as individuals. Doesn't have, could be about sexuality, doesn't have to be. Some final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is you don't have to put a label on it at all. You don't have to label it as bi. You don't have to label it as gay. When I first came out, I just said I was dating a guy. And that was, I just put it simply as that. I didn't even put buy in any of my titles until my most recent video. So just don't be um, so concerned about finding what word fits into it, whether you're buy or pen or whatever else, just do your thing, live your life, 
try to be less shitty. And if you find someone, you find someone like that's, that's as simple as it is. (laughs) That's great. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Doctor podcast. On the next episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Lori Brado from the UBC Sexual Health Lab. If you have a question for the show, send me a voice memo to thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me a voice message right on Instagram at dr.leatidy. And even if you don't send in a question, you can check me out on Instagram or Twitter. And if you like what you're hearing, hey, leave a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what you thought of this episode. Until then, folks, stay healthy, stay safe, stay consensual.